Hey, Kid Test Valley Sports Talk fans, we're back after a very long hiatus of your Valley Sports Talk podcast. Guys, we're back. And we got to give a big shout out to the reason this thing's happening. Fitters Furniture, quality furniture, furniture since 1896. Guys, we're back. We're not in Big Country Studio, unfortunately. We're in the Big Country Studio garage because we got booted from the house. But we're here. We're socially distanced. We are back having a great time. I missed your guys' faces. Welcome back to the podcast. You know what? I, I was going to talk about how this is episode number 33, and this oh, is the Larry Bird and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar episode, but I'm going to just jump right in. Did you throw your wife under the bus by saying you got kicked out of the house? <laughs> no. We got booted out. And it's, okay, <laughs> it's okay to say why I got booted out, why we got put to the garage, because our our studio is getting redecorated for baby... Baby, baby number two. Baby Sorensen. Baby, baby Sorensen's coming November. Baby so Sorensen's coming November. We got told, get, and I got to get to painting. You got to get to painting? What color we got? I don't know. P- or pink. We're so we, pink. we know the gender? It's a girl. Ooh. We well, she's born on the Apple Cup day. That's early November. November 3rd. Oh. So, uh, so your sure house is going to have I planned according. two <laughs> little girls plus your wonderful wife. Right. That's my club, too. I know. And That's I'm my club. Almost. Oh yeah, you have you have two. We get together. Um, it's a pseudo club that I have, and we get together and <laughs> celebrate and commiserate. That's right. So, I and I wouldn't want it any other way. That's right. So, the happy episode number thirty-three. Thirty-three. Shaq. Shaq. No, Shaq is <laughs> no. not thirty-three. He was thirty-three for Cleveland. Maybe. What? No, he. No, had it is three on the. I'm going to say. In '92, were you even born? <laughs> no. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> getting in early. Getting in early. The yeah. age jokes early. Yes. Uh, um, I'm. I'm still saying Larry Bird and uh, Larry the Legend. I can't. And Kareem. I can't disagree. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's been far too long. It's been way too long. Uh, as everybody knows, the chaos of this valley, and I've been busy for a couple of weeks trying to get the old hay in the barn, and it's in the barn. It's time to talk. Sports. Literally hay in the barn. Literally, you know what? In the barn. That's not sports talk, but it is Kittitas Valley talk. It, so. It is. Um, I've seen you at night in yeah. random fields and stuff like that. Are you yeah. exhausted? I'm still tired. It's been a week. Yeah. Well, not even a week. It was Friday we finished up. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Our problem, and in the Valley, if you know, hey, alfalfa, you bail at night, Timothy during the day, and we overlapped there for a couple of days, and that was miserable. Mm. Or if you work till 2 a.m. and then take a nap and wake up and come back at 7. Right. I'm not complaining. It's the life I chose. I enjoy it. And it just and ruins my life. podcast time. Can you, can you set up like... A, like a nice little like Netflix on your phone while you're driving the tractor. If we had GPS, I would be in all. <laughs> yeah, no. It was honestly podcast got me through it. Energy drinks. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, man, it was chaos. But it's good. It's over almost, and we get to do it again in thirty days. It w- it's what makes the valley great, though. It so I appreciate it. It does. So it makes everybody you. start coughing with allergies, not COVID. No, I love it. So I love the good. smell of it. I love it, man. Yeah, I love getting stuck behind. Um. Can you finish that, please? I, I love getting stuck behind uh, uh, farming equipment on the road. There we go. And uh, just unless I'm in a in behind schedule on something, but uh, <laughs> I think it's just what makes Valley great. So, well, I'm getting behind schedule with the, and I love it because it makes our roads great. But the chip sealing and the graveling that's going on. Yeah, it made me late a couple days. Yep. Well, yep. My my late departure made me late. Let's be it's okay. Let's be honest. So, what have you guys been doing? What, what sports have been watching? <laughs> Cornhole was on ESPN the other day. Always is. Yeah. Always is. That and axe throwing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's legit. I've been, UFC has been giving me live fights every weekend. <laughs> and so I have something to look forward to every week. Right. 
And so they're going to Fight Island this week, which they literally have an octagon on the sand of the beach. It's going to be amazing. But also my daughter's soccer practice started up. Oh. Assistant coach. So Whoa. I've, got, I've got something to live for. You can play soccer. Phase three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Phase three. So what league is this? Man, I, am I, I feel like I might be getting somebody in trouble now. I don't know. Yeah, is this like an underground soccer? No, I mean, like KVJSA. <laughs> KVJSA doesn't yeah, start until Ellen August. Elite is who we, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Good. Wasn't, wasn't yeah. John a soccer coach, too? You guys are, like, so. competing. Uh, you know, uh, my daughter, Adeline, played Ellensburg Elite one year, and it was fun. A lot of travel, though, and a big commitment. And so now uh, we j- I just coach her in KVJSA, which uh, – I was heavily exposed every week uh, as a horrible coach, <laughs> and uh, um, it showed. And and uh, if I didn't have Mal Stuman, I w- we would have gone over. But thanks man. to Mal, we got to have by yourself. We got two W's, and I attribute that all to Mal. So you guys talk this out between the two of you facing off. Which one of you is Bill Belichick, and which one of you is Pete Carroll? Man, I'm a motivator, so it's kind of got Pete Carroll, but I love the X's and O's. So I think I'm both, so I think you're just screwed. I think uh, I would say I'd like to be I'm – a, I'm a Pete Carroll um, – Pete Carroll in terms of uh, what I project, but I'm Bill Belichick to myself internally. That's right. That's what you go home as. Yeah. Cut off the sleeves of your sweatshirts. Yeah. Look on. like a homeless guy. Yeah. Hopefully act like Start a millionaire. videoing the other team. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, we are, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to phase three turning into phase four so we can definitely practice. Absolutely. I better, I better unmute my mic. So yeah. Go ahead. Unmute it. We so. got some new gear set up, so we're getting through some technical difficulties. By the way, the soundboard looks great. Um, sounds great too. I just want to touch all the buttons. Well, there, that's the best part. There's less buttons. Ellie can't be making the echo and all the other stuff going on when I'm not paying attention to the audience right, now. Right, so, right, right. Uh, we're, we're upgrading. We're part of the Big Country Media Network. We are official. <laughs> we got a tax ID and everything. It's great. Do we really? We I didn't do. even we're know official. that. I guess we should announce that. I still think we're just a bunch of guys who are going to do a couple of podcasts, and we're 33 podcasts in, plus another handful of rodeo ones. Can so. our listeners buy some stock? Not yet. Not yet. It's good. But if you give me enough tractor time... <laughs> Yeah. That's where the ideas get to flowing. Yeah. yeah. That's where things happen. Yeah. Right? Now, the other question I have, what's the over-under? We'll give him 10. Has Luke lost more or less than 10 golf balls in the shutdown? How many rounds have you played? Yeah, I got to know that first. More. More than 10. More than 10. Pretty rusty. I'm actually going to play around uh, tomorrow. We're we're taping this on a uh, recording this, I guess I should say. You're going to film yourself playing golf? You know what? Blooper reel, the whole thing? Or I should have some sort of photo or something. We're going to just play a round of nine tomorrow morning, um, and uh, I'll have a full report for you guys. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, I think Luke's going to put it in the daily record. Sure. Yeah. Right. I'm a legit story idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are you playing with? Tiger Woods, John Goodat. Sure. Yeah. Luke wants to know who you're playing with. Uh, just playing with a couple of friends uh, who are equally as uh, poor at golf as I am, and um, so we just decided to go play before the day started. So that's right. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went up and played Suncadia at one point because it was the only place the wind wasn't blowing in this whole valley, and it was glorious. It was beautiful. Saw some deer. Got twilight. Suncadia done. was was your game glorious for the first time in two years. Yes, 
And especially when I screwed up from playing the back tees instead of the normal middle ones <laughs> for my Seriously? I did, I did okay for the first time two years. I didn't hit any houses, so it was successful. That's good. That's what I judge my golf game off. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> are they still doing Kitna? Yes. Yeah, yeah they are. Are we, are we doing it? No. I am. Okay. No, you are? Luke yeah. didn't invite us, and I missed the deadline. of. Or it, it I, I sold out. In a I can get us in. You just tell me if you want in. It was sold out. You tell me if you want in, I get us in. We're just going to take our own <laughs> you golf just cart let, and jump on or what? Yeah, <laughs> All yeah. I need is the golf. You guys are making too much of this. Just tell me if you want in. He's not dedicated. We're going to discuss this off off the record. Right. Okay, yeah. I shouldn't put you on the spot on yeah. there. A few more corn and cob cans, and I'll, <laughs> I'll get there with it. For the farmers, for the farmers out there. So, Well, guys, let's get to our interview. We got Tim Booth. We've actually already done the interview. You're going to really enjoy it. It's a lot of good stories on going on. Here. I, was, I want to tell you the only thing I was disappointed in this whole time talking to Tim Booth is that Luke didn't have his pen and paper out taking notes. Yes. That no. was it. From an accomplished media personality an award winner right an award winner right and uh so but i've known him for many years he was my uh, sports editor at the central washington university observer right in 1998 a couple of years ago we'll say which is weird because i'm only 29 years old but uh, <laughs> you um, <age> well. <laughs> uh but i'm glad that uh i think sammy you lined this up and i'm glad that uh you got it lined up because he is um he's a heck of a guy and uh, he's a great writer, and uh, he's just a sports fan as well. So, absolutely. Well, let's uh, bring on Tim, and we'll get to going on a fun interview Sounds talking good. about some sports. It's been a long few months for all of us, but the wait is finally over. Fitterers Furniture in downtown Ellensburg is proud to be safely serving you. Fitterers is now open during regular business hours while keeping you, your family, and everyone safe. Stop by Monday through Saturday from 8.30 to 5.30 and browse three floors of quality home furnishing. Plus, free delivery in central Washington. From everyone at Fitterers Furniture, welcome back. Fitterers. Fitterers. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. Uh, like we were saying in the intro, man, oh, man, it's, uh, I kind of get, I'm going through withdrawals, and so being back in Big Country Studios, it's, uh, right. one, I had to remind myself where the heck you lived, <laughs> and uh, two, it's just uh, wonderful to be back here. In the garage, I see that you've got the flags out. Right. Uh, uh, Old Glory is uh, flying in, in the wind today, and right below that, of course, is the Cougs, and, right. and uh, so welcome, good to be back. Well, I'm kind of curious. Is our guest is he is he the kook flag or is he the? Well, I mean, he's a wildcat. Why don't we, why don't we just introduce him? Right. So Tim Booth is here, uh, calling in uh, over the phone. So he's not here with us, but he's definitely here with us in spirit. And um, Tim is a Ellensburg guy. He's a Central grad. He he has covered pretty much just about everything there is to cover. Am I am I right there, Mister Booth? Uh. I'm trying to think what I, I haven't covered uh, figure skating um, and I haven't covered gymnastics. Otherwise, <laughs> it's pretty close to I've, I've almost done everything at this point. What uh, um, it's so take us through one of the things that we want to talk about is just, you know, people in sports, whether they're the athletes or the people covering it or fans or whatever. So kind of take us through your path. I know you're an Ellensburg guy. Uh, Ellensburg grad, if I remember correctly, and obviously a central grad as well. Um, so kind of take us through your path, and, and uh, you can be as long or as short as you want in terms of how you got to the AP. Um, so, yeah, to, uh, proud 1996 graduate of Ellensburg High School, um, that fine institution of, of education. 
uh, <laughs> in town. Um, but yeah, grew, born and raised, um, spent the first 21 years of my life in, in Ellensburg, uh, decided, you know, I had these grand plans when I graduated from, from EHS of, of going on and going to U. Anyone who knows me from my childhood, I was a, I was a crazy UW fan. Um, and so my goal all along was to go to, go to UW. And, and my fallback was I was going to go to the University of Utah. And then my don't really want to have to make this choice, but I, I might have to for various reasons was to go to Central. And all, you know, I look back on it now and it's like, you know, why did I even think about going anywhere else but Central? Um, because it just ended up being the perfect, uh, the perfect option for me was to stay in town and, and, you know, be, be around my family more, um, to, you know, lessen the cost of what college was back then. It was, I thought it was expensive, even though it's nothing like what it is now. Right. Um, and, and just, and, you know, I got into my major early. I, I was a journalism major. I was able to, uh, do some really cool things while I was, while I was in school, got some cool opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten if I'd gone to either of those other, other schools. Um, and most importantly, I met what became my wife or who became my wife, um, while I was in school there. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a really, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of being where I'm from. And there's a lot of things about Ellensburg that I miss every day whether it was the Ellensburg that I grew up with as a kid um, or the Ellensburg that I experienced when I was in college. There's, there go, there's many days in a week where I, you know, make a reference or of some sort to like, man, I wish, you know, it'd be nice to be back in, in Eberg right now or, or, you know, something along those lines. So um, it's a, it's a really important place to me still to this day. And, uh, and yeah, it, it framed a lot of, of who I've become as a, um, as a journalist. So, uh, I went from 21 years in, in Ellensburg to, uh, living in, I lived in California for, uh, a little under four years, um, working down there right out of college. Vacaville, uh, wasn't it? Down just out, yep. Vacaville, California. Um, and it was a little cow, literally cow town, uh, <laughs> between San Francisco and Sacramento. But it was it was a great place, um, great place to get my start in in journalism as a, as a professional. Um, worked with a lot of great people there, met a lot of great people there. Who, when my wife and I decided to move back to the Northwest um, in late 2003, early 2004, uh, we just those connections that I made down there eventually is what helped me get uh, get a very entry level job with the AP office here at AP Bureau here in Seattle. And now I've been, I've been working in various roles for them now for, uh, for the past 16 years, which is really hard to believe that it's been, um, 16 years, but it's, uh, it's a job that has literally taken me all over the world. And, um, I'm really, uh, fortunate in this type of media market right now with how a lot of media organizations are struggling. Um, I'm very fortunate to be with the AP and, and, and have a job that's stable and allows me to um, continue to do what I love and is only going to get much, much busier over the next few weeks as all of a sudden we go from nothing going on to like everything going on. So I, I wanted to, I wasn't sure when that was going to come up and, and you're leading me right to it of, you know, there's all this talk about 
oh no, there's no sports and, and what are the athletes doing and, and what are the owners doing or fans doing? But I mean, really when you see like newsrooms being shrunk down or budgets being shrunk down, definitely budgets, um, does that worry you? Um, you know, just the industry itself, has it, has it really totally changed in the last just four months? Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's totally changed. It's just sort of amplified issues that were already there. Um, you know, there's almost nobody has been immune from having some sort of, of cuts, whether it be furloughs, whether it be staff reductions, whether it be salary decreases. Um, you know, almost, almost everybody has, has seen some fashion of that happen. And I, and those were, those were just a, a sad byproduct, I guess, of, of what COVID caused was those issues were already there. Media companies were already struggling financially to begin with. Um, and then you throw, you throw something like a pandemic on top of it and it's like, okay, well now we've got to really make some drastic cuts just to stay alive. But the, but the underlying problems with revenues and advertising and all these different aspects that go into what, you know, a media company is right now, they were already existing. So, um, that's kind of, I think, what, what we saw more. I don't think this was like, oh, COVID happened and now all these issues are emerging. I think it was, you know, we had this, we had this virus show up and all of a sudden it just made, you know, it just, you know, exponentially made those issues grow quicker, I think, than a lot of people, um, that a lot of people realized. And, you know, we saw within, within weeks, within a couple of weeks, you know, companies making cutbacks and, and making changes and, and all of a sudden, you know, people are having to take salary salary reductions or going out on furlough or whatever it might be just to um, keep the company afloat. So, Did that make you say, I got to relearn how to write about this or I got to start covering something different uh, because, <laughs> you know, something, you know, baseball wasn't around or, or I know there's no local basketball, but basketball on a national level wasn't around. Did you have to reinvent yourself or or i'm sure you saw friends in the industry that had to relearn things or or um kind of reinvent themselves yeah no it was it was absolutely a legitimate thought i had was okay do i need to become a business writer at this point do i need to you know do i need to uh volunteer to be a desk editor um you know but there was there was just enough going on between, um, you know, between all the sports that we have here in Seattle, um, plus myself and my colleague in Portland, we kind of oversee all of the MLS, Mm -hmm. um, coverage that we do. And so there was just enough stuff with all of that, all of those teams, um, going on. Plus, you know, me taking some personal time off, I was able to stay busy enough. Um, now in all honesty, there were days where I was like, what the heck am I going to do today? Cause <laughs> you just didn't know, um, you didn't know what, what that day was going to look like. But for the most part, I, you know, I had something, um, going on and in all honesty, there was, um, there's a project that we're, we're working on that's going to be looking at how, um, high school sports are going to be looked different nationally, um, in the fall. And that was, that was an idea that came up roughly four weeks ago. 
um, that I've been working on with a couple of colleagues. And that has kind of, that's kind of bridged the final four weeks. Like there was enough stuff going on in March and April and kind of into May and then took some time off and all those kind of things. And then I got into early June. I was like, okay, now we're kind of dry. Like now there's, there's all this talk of the leagues coming back, but maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe it is. And there was like, how are we going to bridge this win this, you know, this period between early June and early July. Um, so we ended up, we're working on this project now and now it's like all of a sudden, Oh, we got to get the project done. Plus MLS is starting up. Plus MLB is starting up. Plus NFL training camps are starting up. And it's like, Oh, now I'm kind of wishing it was back like <laughs> April when I was trying to figure out what to go, what was going on. Cause now I got too much to do. Well, Tim, this is Eric here, and, and I just wanted to comment a little bit about when you said you can't wait to be in Ellensburg. I'm just going to tell you today is a good old-fashioned 40-mile-an-hour gust wind day, so appreciate where you're at today only, okay? Uh, Beautiful. It is glorious. But sometimes I miss the wind, as crazy as that sounds. Sometimes I actually miss the wind. It is crazy, and we're going to stop you right there. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess you have the rain to deal okay, with, Okay, fair right? enough. So I'd take the yeah, rain. Yeah. That's a tough conversation to have. But Yeah, it's it, it, it depends on, you know, like I get to, I get to winter and we get, to, you know, just the drizzly crap over here. And I'm like, just snow, like right. just, yeah. just <laughs> snow, I'll put up with the wind. If you just snow instead of this drizzly mess that we have to deal with. Absolutely. Well, you know, so, cause I'm the high school baseball coach at Kittitas. And I think, uh, one of your guys you work with Divish has a Kittitas hat. So you'll have to get on him about that. I know you're an Ellensburg grad, but, uh, so I, as a coach and, and all of us sitting here in Ellensburg watching that whole thing take place when the shutdown happened, what was it like being an AP sports reporter and just watching everything unfold as the pandemic hit and as just it, – see, it wasn't even by the, the day. It was by the hour, the half hour, that things kept getting shut down. What was that like for you as a sports reporter? So it's funny enough, um, I was actually taking a few days off when this all happened in mid-March because – some friends and I, we've kind of made this a, a yearly trip where we go to the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. Um, and it's just kind of become, you know, six, seven guys. We go, we watch games, we maybe put a little money down here and there on certain things. <laughs> yes. um, and and we just get away for, for basically 48, hours, 42, 48, 72 hours, something like that. So I was at T-Mobile Arena on that Wednesday night. I had flown in that afternoon. Um, we had, we had decided to go to the night session of the Pac-12 tournament. We were sitting there watching, uh, the wash, the, I can't remember what the first game was of the night session, but it was, that's when the, that's when word came out about, um, Rudy Gobert being positive and the mm-hmm. Utah, Oklahoma City NBA game getting canceled. And then you just kind of heard the sort of constant murmur of conversation going on in the building. And the nightcap of the, of the, of the tournament was Wazoo against, against Colorado. And by about halftime as a group, we kind of just realized that we might be sitting there watching the last live, you know, sporting event for that, that'll actually be completed for quite a while. Um, that was kind of the feeling that, that we had just because you saw every, the, you could already see sort of the trickle down of how everything was, was happening. You had, you know, the NBA suspending their season, you had the NHL suspending what they were doing, and you had all these college tournaments that either by the end of the night or by the first thing the next morning had canceled. And there was already, there was immediate talk of, of the NCAA tournament being whacked. And it was just, it was crazy the, the, just watching 
how everything progressed there over about a 18 hour span from like six o'clock on, on, uh, on Wednesday night until noon on Thursday, it was just like a TikTok of events happening one after another. And so to be in a place like Vegas, which is so, um, so dependent on sports because of, you know, the sports books and the gambling mm-hmm. aspect of right. it. And to walk into, you know, to walk into the sports book at, you know, Planet Hollywood or name your casino, MGM, whatever it might be, and to have the screens be blank because there's nothing happening is really, really weird. And to sort of see that happen in real time um, was a very strange, very, uh, just I, thinking back on it now, it's just a very strange kind of surreal moment among a ton of surreal moments that we've had over the last um over the last four months so that was kind of my experience with it and then then i take a step back and go okay now what does this mean for me professionally like what does this mean for my job and then so for you know the first few weeks you're kind of just following the fallout of it what does this mean and how does it you know what what does it mean for the teams that you follow or the teams that in my case teams that i cover you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you start looking big picture about what does it mean in a, in a broader, um, from a broader standpoint. But yeah, it was, it was a very strange occurrence watching all of that happen and then sort of processing, okay, what's the, what's the next step from here? You bring, you brought up a good point, uh, or you mentioned how, like, when you, I think you said you take a step back and you look at it, okay, what does this mean professionally? So, I guess my my next question would be, obviously you're a sports fan and sports is your livelihood as well in terms of uh, generating an income. So when you're you're watching things, whether it's the pandemic affecting the teams that you cover or whether it's um, the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl a couple, you know, a few years ago, are you, do you find yourself watching it as a fan or do you find yourself watching things as a professional in the industry? And to me, those are two very different um, perspectives. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, I think, you know, I think there has to, in, in my job specifically, I'll, I'll speak for sports writers and, and not other aspects of journalism, but for sports writers, I think you have to have, you have to have this underlying fandom of the game itself or the event itself. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, a, a you know a diehard Mariners fan, and you and you show it in everything that you do. But you have to have sort of this underlying love of baseball, or this being a fan of baseball, in order to truly appreciate what these guys are doing, um, or women, and and how they go about their jobs, how they perform at such a high level. Um, so I think that's that's kind of where I've been able to separate myself like i mean you know you grew up in ellensburg what are you you're a fan of the seahawks you're a fan of the sonics you're a fan of the mariners mm-hmm. um in my case i was a i was a u-dub fan as a kid please don't hold that against me any coogs out there who might be listening <laughs> um but but at some point you have to yeah <laughs> at some point you have to separate you have to just like shut to do to do the job the right way and be professional about it you have to shut that off and say okay i'm not you know I'm not a Coug today, or I'm not a Husky today, or I'm not a, a Mariners fan today, or a Seahawks fan, or whatever like that. There are moments 
uh, along the way where I've been at events or been able to cover things where I kind of take a step back and think back to being a kid and go, wow, this is, you know, the 12 year old me thinks this is really cool. Like Super Bowl 48. That was something that the 12 year old, because probably because it was a 43 to eight game and I wasn't really stressing much about it, but you know, you kind of take a, I remember saying in the fourth quarter, um, you know, writing my story and I, I actually took a second and was like, yeah, the 12 year old me thinks this is really cool. Um, so you do have moments like that, but it's, it's making that, it's making that separation, which I think, um, which I think makes people, makes journalists be unbiased and makes them be, um, you know, makes the job or does, makes them do the job in a professional manner. Um, and that's something I've really strived to be in, in what I'm doing now. There are times where I let my fandom come through, but my fandom now is pretty much limited to central. Um, Any, any, any team my kid is playing for. And uh, (laughs) about a decade ago, I adopted Tottenham as my EPL team and they drive me crazy all the time. So that's, that's my other one. So those are like my three, those are my three things where I allow the slightest bit of fandom to come through. Otherwise I really try and uh, really try and shut it off. So as a fan of baseball, you've got a, a real short season coming up, 60 games. Um, and a lot of the knock uh, that people have against baseball, people that aren't baseball lovers or even some baseball lovers, are that the season's too long anyways, that 162 games is way too long. Uh, what's your thoughts on a 60-game schedule? Obviously not permanent, but moving forward, uh, how do you feel about the length of the MLB schedule this year as opposed to 162 and how would you like to see, would you like to see it differ um, if things change? You know, I think, I think the players have voiced this, you know, people in the front office have voiced this. Baseball screwed up majorly by how they went about their negotiations. Like this, this set up so perfectly for an 80 game season to start on July 4th. I mean, if you, if you calculate it out, they're going to start two weeks after July 4th and they're going to play 60 games. Like, it was it was too perfect a setup for them not to have that opportunity and then to screw it and then the way they screwed it up was um, I think a major misstep on their part. That being said, I think eighty games for this year probably was the right number. I think sixty is is fine. Um, you know, you're not gonna be able to you're not gonna be able to withstand the losing streak. Let's put it that way. Or if you get you know, weirdly hot, like the Mariners did a couple of years ago when they started whatever yep. it was, 15 and three or whatever. You know, if you get hot like that, maybe you can feel a playoff burst, um, depending on your division and, and the, and how the rest of the league shakes out. But, um, long term, I think, I think I'm of the opinion that baseball, the baseball season is too long. Um, I've always thought that somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know what the right number is, but I've always thought somewhere between 120 and 140 is the right amount of games. I think 160, you just, I mean, think about how many years we've had this absolutely meaningless baseball in September. Um, and how many times we've been in a situation where, you know, you're starting games at the end of March in Minneapolis or in Kansas city or Chicago. And it's 37 degrees and sleeting or it, in Minneapolis, they've had snow out. Like, you have these situations which if you adjusted the schedule long-term, you know, and said, okay, 
instead of starting in late March, we're going to start in mid-April and give and buy us, you know, a couple of weeks of, of maybe nicer weather. Um, then, you know, I think, I think there's, I think there's ways to get, to make the game more, um, attractive to fans. And one of the ways is I think shortening it. I, I don't think you need to be playing 160 games. Now for, from a revenue standpoint, I totally get it. And from a, you know, you have to have a certain amount of games in order to meet your revenue projections based around paying, you know, Mike Trout $425 million for the life of his contract. But um, I think there's got to be a hard look at what the long-term viability is of, of playing that long of a season. And, you know, as much as there's optimism that we're going to be able to move into this next phase of what COVID is doing to our society sometime in you know, late this year, early next year with hopefully vaccines, that still doesn't mean that there's not going to need to be changes um, long-term societally about can you have fans in the stands? Can you have teams traveling around in the same way that you have in the past, bouncing from city to city and playing that many games, playing 81 road games? Um, so I think there's, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversations for baseball's uh, future and its viability that need to be happening now so that maybe they can be implemented going forward. And I think one of them absolutely needs to be looking at the idea of a shorter season. I don't think, I don't think people are going to be upset if, if it's a 120 game season, you're going to get some purists that might be mad, but all in all, I think, I think, I think, I think baseball should be shorter. I think hockey should be shorter. I think, and the NBA should, should be shorter. Take take hockey and the NBA down to 68 games. Take Major League Baseball down to 120 games. I don't think people are going to be that upset about losing, you know, a handful here and there. I, I, I think that one of the, the biggest struggles that they have with that, just from a fan's perspective, is chasing records. Like, you, you, you shrink the season down to 120 and then – you're never going to get anybody that breaks the home run record, the RBI record, the wins right. record, all those things. And so how do you uh, – you know, that's always an exciting thing. So it does take some excitement out of it, but I'm also a huge fan of lowering it. But I think that that's those struggles as a – and I guess that's not that big of a struggle, but I think that that that, that can play a role in – because that's exciting. I mean, you watch, you know, football every year, and there's that guy on pace to break something, yeah. and you're going to lose that. It's going to be a second stat like, oh, in the – 120 game era pro baseball rated, after pro 2020 to, to 65 home runs um yeah but think about think about how the think about how the game has changed though like is is you know 300 strikeouts in a season a number anymore no Mm-mm. is is you know 300 300 is 300 career wins is that an important number anymore is 3,000 hits is you know we're, we're talking now about about pitchers who if you get through the lineup two times that a starting pitcher that's considered a good outing and that might only be four innings that might be four and two-thirds innings like the the way the game has changed has i think already skewed the the records anyway mm-hmm. and so why not just make the wholesale change why not say okay that was that era of what major league baseball was they played 162 they you know the 90s was the steroids era. Like, let's just, now we're going to move into this era. And this era is 120 games. And everything's going to be based around what the numbers were for that. And someone's going to come along and set that baseline. And someone's going to hit, you know, 
45 homers in 120 games and everyone's going to be like, wow, that's an amazing accomplishment. Um, so I, I don't think it, I, I get, I absolutely get it, but I don't think that it has to be a hard and fast thing. Like there can be these different, there already are these different eras to what in specifically baseball has been. There's no reason why changing the amount of games can't make for the next era going forward. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point because I, I'll, well, exactly what you just said there. It is a completely different game, and the fact of what used to be a single through the six hole is now an easy, you know, easy ground ball double play, or just the way the shift and everything is. And I think that's a really great point. I really do. What are you saying? I'm stupid. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> a- analytics and and shifts and everything have have changed the game so much. As more data has become available, right. the game right. has naturally changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and the other part of it is, like, they were talking, you know, guys come talk about as the game goes on, it used to get easier, but instead you have three guys coming out of the bullpen who each top 100 or average 100 miles an hour, and right. it's so much harder to be a hitter in the big leagues, in my opinion. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So we, you, were, you were mentioning, like, hockey, NBA, baseball could be shorter. I noticed you didn't say NFL. So are you saying NFL is good at 16 or NFL needs to be – 18 or 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 uh i don't know if you purposely didn't mention nfl or or are you saying that that season is good i'm uh i'm good with 16 i think 16 is a good number i I don't there's no reason to mess with it don't go to 17 don't go to 18 16 is a great number you play half you you know you essentially play what is it two-fifths of your games against your division home and away and then you know it's it's a good number. Like, don't mess with it. I get that they want to have more games for more revenue. I totally understand that. I know it's a billion, billion, billion dollar industry. But 16 from the wear and tear on these guys, um, from the players to just the way the, the, the tenor and the beat of the season goes, um, 16 is the right number. So I, I don't think it should be shortened, but I definitely don't think it should be uh, extended. I don't. I, I don't want to see them going beyond beyond sixteen. I agree, and I, that's why I think I'm really excited for the baseball season. Is because football. The reason everyone's you know so crazy about it for those months is that every game is super important. You know, right. you lose one of sixteen, that puts you behind quite a bit, and so that's the only benefit I can see from a sixty game schedule. I think it's way too short, and I like 120. Uh, but it's going to make like you said, if you start off hot, you're in, you're in good shape to, to go to the playoffs. Um, so I'm I'm hoping and anticipating, I guess more hoping, that these players just come out getting after it for, for 60 games and that we have a lot to watch. I'm going to edit what you say, and I'm going to say I'm hoping that these players that wear the Mariners logo <laughs> get hot. I've lost, that's my, our I've lost only, my hope. I lost my hope. That's our only way to get any semblance of a chance. Well, and how do you feel, Tim, about the – the whole regional thing, because I, I just cringe when I heard the Dodgers get a DH now and we get to play them. Uh, that's going to be, I mean, that'll be an interesting dynamic, and especially just playing the whole West Coast. Oh, I, I actually think it's kind of cool. But, yeah, I mean, if you're not, it's not really <laughs> fair to a rebuilding team to have to play against the, the NL West and the AL West. Um, right. You know, I don't know, you know, we – Houston is still really good as long as they're not whacking garbage cans in the, in the dugout. Oh, I was um, trying to figure out a way to get that into the in the podcast, and you did it, Tim. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. Um, you know, Houston's really good. Texas is, you know, okay. Um, I think the Angels are going to be good, but I don't, you know, does Trout play? Does he not play? Um, I don't know what to make of the A's. And then, oh, yeah, now you got to go play, you know, the Padres, who are kind of okay. Um, and then, oh, yeah, you got to play four against the Dodgers, and you got to play, you know, San Francisco and the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are decent. Colorado's okay. Like, you don't have – it's not like you're playing the AL Central where you have clear teams that are rebuilding like Detroit and Kansas City. Um, you know, you're having to play – you're having to play two, two really good divisions top to bottom. Um, so, for, for a team that's going to be – that's going to be getting a lot of at-bats to young kids uh, and a lot of time on the mound to young kids, it's a, it's a, really, it's a really tough ask. Um, that being said, they might be, they might be young and dumb enough. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but they just, they might just be so new and there might be so little out there about who they are at this level, playing at the major league level that maybe they come out and surprise everybody. Maybe they are that team that comes from nowhere and all these young kids, you know, do really well. And all of a sudden we're talking about a, you know, granted on a totally different scale than normal, but we're talking about a pennant race and in, in September or a playoff, you know, chasing a playoff or something like that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the higher likelihood is that there are young kids who probably could have used a little bit more time in the minors that are going to be thrown into the 60 game sprint. Um, and they're going to struggle, but who knows? Maybe there could be, there could be that chance of them, um, surprising everybody. Very kind of you to say, (laughs) um, I have a question with the Mariners. Their first their first series against the Astros is that correct? First game, yeah. Who correct for our first game? What are the chances yep. that we see a brawl? <laughs> who, who's Marco Pagan first? That's the... I don't I don't know. So so I don't think we'll see a brawl. I think that that I mean unless you're unless you're Jose Batista and no one likes you or Josh Donaldson <laughs> and no one likes you. Um, it's really brawls just. Or you have like some really deep seated hatred for the other other organization or a specific player. I think that's I there. I, brawls are so? brawls just kind of aren't the thing anymore. Um, now that being said, I would put I would be a little surprised if George Springer doesn't wear one in the wear one in the ribs from Marco to start the season. I think everybody in baseball kind of wants to see I, that. I think that, I think that was more and, of my question because I figured, I mean, if I know I got hit on purpose, I'm fighting. That's <laughs> bottom line. <laughs> so that, yeah. that was kind of my question. If I, it doesn't matter what I did. If I know a guy threw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at me, you don't, we're going to fight. <laughs> Tim, you don't yeah, think, I, uh, I, don't, I don't think – I think Springer's got to like, if, if you're George Springer and you're, first of all, if I'm George Springer and I'm leading off, I'm going up to Dusty Baker and I'm like, hey, can you put somebody else in the leadoff spot tonight? <laughs> you know, can you put Correa up there or, you know, someone else? Um, but then, but then if you are that leadoff guy, you just kind of got to know that that's going to happen. Like, after everything that's happened in before the pandemic hit with, you know, the, the, garbage cans and the and everything that that the Astros were doing you kind of got to just walk up there that first time knowing that you're probably going to get one in the hip or the ribs or or something like that like you just you just kind of have to accept it and say okay well this is going to hurt for a minute I'm just going to walk down to first now um now Marco 
I'm, I mean, we're assuming Marco is going to be the starter, which I, I would be stunned if he's if he's not the opening day starter. Um, and he's got he's he was fiery in the past about because he was sure that the the Astros were sign stealing, and he's talked about this before that he thought that they were cheating in some way, and he was in a way kind of vindicated by what the Major League Baseball investigation found. Um, I don't know if that's enough for him, or if he's that you know that level of vindication, or if he's just going to be like. Yeah, you guys need to wear one. Here you go. Here's here's ninety four in your rib. Go down to first. You know, I kind of think that's probably what's going to happen. But, um, but who knows? See, here's where the fight takes place: is that if you got a guy who's already pissed, he's going to hit that guy and he's going to stare him down. That's where the fight starts. It's not the pitch itself; <laughs> it's the look that the pitcher gives the guy that starts the fight, and that's yeah, that's going to be it. But Marcus professional. Like I think. I think he'd be he'd be like okay you just you got to wear it here you go and then he'd probably he'd probably lower his cap and then just like walk back to the mound and that would be that I, I, that's my guess of what's going to happen but I'm ready um, I'm gonna I'm gonna message you we'll we'll talk about we'll it find out. <laughs> okay that's well, good enough I know that as a, you know baseball players and this is one thing that, like Jeff Haverlow my pitching coach Big Ben told me he goes baseball players don't forget so we might not see a guy wearing it the first day but when the pandemic's over and they can get it on. You might see a, a random ball to the ribs later on next year. That they know the message is still there from last year. Like an untriggered ball to the ribs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the pandemic yeah. has just yeah. built up frustration. People wanted to get after him. It's going to happen. Yeah. As a fan, I would like to see some sort of some sort of punishment <laughs> um, beyond what's already. <clears throat> Well, nothing's really happened in my opinion, but uh, in a in a ninety five mile an hour baseball to the ribs. I mean, I've been hit by one by by like sixty, and that hurt. So ninety five, I can only imagine that's a good punishment. That, right? They kind of got I, lucky. I mean, they Astros are they're playing in a hundred less games too. Yes, yeah, it's a hundred less games for punishment. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's a lot of less. You know, hits to the rib. You know. What I'd like to see hey, is. There was a, oh, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. I was gonna say there was there was a chance that 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 leadoff hitter for the Astros is gonna wear one, you know, eighty one times this year or, or one hundred sixty two times this year if they played a full season. So they 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 are they are getting a break in that regard. Absolutely. What I, what I'm really looking forward to seeing is the umps just letting it happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I would like to see the umps just saying, "Turn it into a hockey fight." Let's just, just do it. Let's just let it ground. go. Let it go. And uh, I don't know, but uh, you know, let's let's keep with baseball. But let me switch gears a little bit, Tim. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've been in one or two different uh, venues. Uh, do you have a you have a favorite? Uh, you have a favorite stadium? Um, a worst stadium? Um, you know, difficult travel or anything like that when it comes to baseball or, or other sports? Baseball. Um, my favorite baseball stadium is, and I haven't been to Pittsburgh, and everyone tells me Pittsburgh's amazing. Um, my favorite baseball stadium is AT&T, or I think it's still AT&T Park. AT&T Park in San Francisco. Um, love, love that park. Just love the setting, love everything about it. Love the fact that when I lived down there, we would, my wife and I would take the, the, uh, the Bay Area Rapid Transit from Walnut Creek and we'd get off at, at, uh, Market Street and we'd walk 10 minutes and we'd be at the ballpark and 
we'd go watch a game on Sunday afternoon and it would be beautiful. Um, so that's my, that's my favorite ballpark. I still, you know, T-Mobile, even though I still call it Safeco, T-Mobile is still great. Um, I think, uh, Petco in, in San Diego is fantastic as well. Um, so that, those are, those are probably my, my three favorite baseball parks. Um, the worst stadium just period is the Coliseum in Oakland. It's a dump. <laughs> it needs to be blown to, it need, it just needs to be imploded. So everything that's um, been said about I, it is true then. Yeah, it's terrible. I've, I've worked there. I've gone to games there before. Um, it's at the seat. It's just, it's awful. It's, it's just an old crappy stadium. Um, I, a, a, how do I say this? A less crappy version of Oakland is Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. Um, I've got, I've been there for a couple of events. It's just, again, it's just, it was part of that, that generation of older stadiums where it was very difficult to do upgrades necessary to bring it into the next generation of the, of the stadium, you know, evolution. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, they're, they're just dumped at this point. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just they're not good venues. Um, so those are those are two of the ones that stand out as being among the among the worst that uh, that I've been at. So it's it's not a venue, but it's a country. Um, I'm not asking you to say that this country is horrible, but were you ever nervous flying into Russia uh, for the Olympics? <laughs> I didn't go for the Olympics. I went for the World Cup. Pardon me. Pardon me. Um, yeah, it was actually, I was messaging with a colleague earlier uh, that, um, so today, which is July 7th, was uh, two years ago today was the last game that I covered in while I was in Russia. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that it's been two years already. And yes, I was insanely nervous. I have never been as uh, anxious going somewhere. And part of it was... Um, Part of it was the fact that I didn't have my official credential on me until I got all the way to Sochi, which was where I was based for um, for the tournament. And so my my journey started with I got to St. Petersburg, and I was spending a day in St. Petersburg before then flying on to um, Sochi the next day. And so you go through immigration, and I had my visa and and which allowed me in this country and all that. But I was on a flight with all of these fans who had all of these fan credentials, essentially that had been previously sent to them from, and that was the way that they got into the country. So they, I mean, they're decked out around their necks. They have these huge lanyards and they have all of these different, um, all this different, essentially documentation that proved that they could be in the country. And all I had was a visa inside of my passport <laughs> and, and I didn't have, so that was it. That was, that was all I had. And so here I am going to a country where uh, I can't read the signs because they're all in Cyrillic. I don't know the language. And I don't feel like I have the right amount of documentation to prove why I'm here or that, I, <laughs> that I'm okay being here. Um, and so it was a very, I was very anxious until I got to Sochi. And so my, my night in St. Petersburg, I had intended originally on actually going and seeing the city and I got to my hotel and I was, I was jet lagged because I hadn't had much sleep getting there. And 
I was just like, I'm going to order dinner and I'm going to, honestly, here's what I did in my hotel. I got on the Wi-Fi and I watched a Mariners game. That's what I did. <laughs> because, because I had the MLB TV on my phone and it, for whatever reason, it worked in Russia. And so I got to my hotel and I watched a Mariners game. That's what I did. That's how exciting my day in St. Petersburg was. That, sound, um, that sounds like a plug then, for MLB uh, TV. That's what that was. It's a plug. It kind of it did. It did kind of sound like that. <laughs> um, but yeah. But then, but then once I got to Sochi, the next day I got my uh, I got my official credentials by by I think it was like five o'clock that evening. I had I had all of my documentation. I was checked into my hotel. I was finally like I finally you know exhaled basically. Um, so yeah, that was. But yes, I was very I was very nervous uh the process getting there and then once i got there i was okay I, was, I didn't have too much apprehension i didn't you know i didn't do anything stupid i didn't um you know i wasn't going places i probably shouldn't have been going i was very uh i you know i tried to be as as simple and and easy going as i could and it all worked out good well, Tim, we know you, you got to get on the road here, but man, we truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on with us. And, and, you know, we talked about when we started this podcast, the, the great things that have come from this Valley and you are definitely one of those, you know, people that have had a great story uh, starting here and, and gone to where you've been, but thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks guys. Really appreciate you guys having me on and thank you for the kind words and, uh, and yeah. We'll continue to follow you on Twitter, and uh, I love the banter you have. And and uh, and I, I every once in a while I see a shout out to Central, maybe even a shout out to, to Ellensburg, or maybe you know a hungry mother or something like that at the tab. So keep that coming because it's clear that you are an Ellensburg guy, and I really appreciate that. You've made me really hungry, saying hungry mother. So yeah, <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday. I'm Go get happy after to do it. So. Yeah. Hey, come on yes, over. Exactly. I'll, let, I'll let Sammy buy you a burger. So, <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks, Tim. All right, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Relax, we'll take care of you. Ooh, bitter rest, bitter rest. It's been a long few months at home for all of us, but now the wait is finally over. Bitterers Furniture in downtown Ellensburg is pleased to invite you into their showrooms. Bitterers offers you three full showroom floors of fine quality home furnishings for every room of your home. Fitterers is taking every precaution to keep you, your family, and all of us safe. Fitterers is open for regular hours, and as a welcome back special, they're taking 20% off the regular price on all Fjords, Norwegian chairs, and recliners. These will be the lowest prices of the year on this unique collection of ergonomically comforting recliners, chairs, and stools, even 20% off Fjords sofas. It's just Fitterers' way of saying welcome back. It feels good to be open and serve you once again. Relax, we'll take care of you. All right, we're back to wrap this thing up. John, what was your takeaway from this? Clearly, I think it might not be next year, um, but coronavirus forced the conversation of possibly shortening the season. And you're a, you're a baseball guy. Right. So what would 140 games look like or even 120? 120 might be too extreme. But what would 140 games look like to you as a, as a true baseball fanatic? So as a traditionalist, I like the 162 just because there's so many more to watch. And I like to watch all of them and listen right. to them. But on the same time, I got to thinking about 
how many do I not watch along the way? And there's and that it would probably equal out to what you're the number you're saying right now. Well, you know, Tim mentioned like the the meaningless September games, and so unfortunately, meaningless September for the Mariners is probably going to be like, are we going to be ten or twenty games under five hundred? Right, but. I, I also look at it as, you know, September games might be easier for me as a person to go to. Right. So are we going to lose those? Um, I You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I go to, I watch, you know, I wouldn't call myself a, a fanatic of professional sports. Mm-hmm. I'm more of the college guy, but I, I still watch the Mariners. Right. I'm going to still watch the Seahawks and stuff like that. And so whether they're meaningless or not, I'm still going to watch them and maybe I'll just have to change my schedule and how and when and where I watch them. Right. So. Well, even if we started later in the year, like Division One baseball starting later now. They moved right. that back a couple of weeks because was it the, over like 60, 70% of Division One schools are above, what's that, the Mason-Dixon line is what they call that? Right. And so like schools in Michigan are having to travel down south. Right. And so they've pushed the season back to where they start where MLB starts now. Well, how many times have we watched the Mariners play a snowball in Minnesota? Exactly. Wins? And no, even if they just push it back, I love October for the simple fact of my personal schedule. I'm a farmer. Now October's my I'm done. And I get to just sit there and watch baseball all night. And but you know, I I think there is a general concern on drawing the crowd, creating interest from a, the majority of the people. And I've heard people say before, like, you know, they can lose ten in a row and they can still come back and win, you know, ten in a row later in the season. Exactly. And it equals out. But it would put a little bit more emphasis on each individual game, and it might draw more spectators in that aspect. I think it's going to be one of those things where you just don't know. Right. Um, I mean, this is going to be such a weird season anyway, so right. this can't be really the, the barometer that we gauge things on. But um, you could you could convince me that there's going to be at least serious talks, and right. maybe we're already there. Um, we just yeah. don't even know it, but – you know, the other thing that I came uh, that came out of the conversation with Tim is the guy lives in the, the I-5 corridor, but he is an Ellensburg kid. Absolutely. Uh, when he's mentioning the Tav on Twitter, he's <laughs> mentioning uh, the Go Wildcats on Twitter. Right. Um, you know, so he might not be there in the stands or be there in the in the press box, but 